Ozzy on the house. Every Arizona homeowner's best friend. That's our goal here at Rosie on the House every Saturday morning to open the phone lines for you, the Arizona homeowners, to call with any question you might have about your house, home, castle, or cabin, wherever you are in the great state of Arizona, whatever you want to get done, chances are we've been there and we've tried it once or twice. So give us a call and let us put our experience to work for you. The number, toll free, one 767 4348 That's one rosie you And that's what we are. We are here for you. And we've got a very special guest. If y'all know a handyman or a handywoman that likes to get things done on their own, we have the Wilsh Corporation in studio this morning. Fred and Freddie Wilshire. And I want to tell you a little story about Fred Wilshire. <laughs> Fred Wilshire, when I started my remodeling company in 1988, Fred Wilshire was the first employee I hired. Fred, do you remember that job? Yes, I do. It was just around the corner, 24th Street and Camelback, remember? The butlers. The, the butler residence. That's exactly right. Yes, I do. And, and I've never worked for another family that had a dog like that one. <laughs> but anyway, we won't go there. Yeah. But... I can't remember that dog's name, but boy, that dog, he, he was a unique, a unique animal. Uh, but Fred Wilshire was the first employee I ever hired. And Fred worked with us and stayed with us uh, all the way till. We ended up selling the company 15 years later, and Fred went out on his own and has been running a remodeling and handyman company ever since. And uh, I, I'm going to take this opportunity to publicly just thank you uh, for all the people we send your way that uh, call back and say, man, I'm going to keep that phone number. We thank you. Um, we try really hard. We take great pride in everything we do from showing up on time to communication, to cleanliness on the job. All these things are so important. With We have the old school values. That's what one guy told me just the other day when we were bidding a job. We come out and take a look, and he goes, man, you've got the old school values. <laughs> oh, man. Well, you were taught by the old school. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. I was taught by the best. Oh, man. And now we're transferring that to uh, Freddie here. For to pass it down to Freddie. Yeah. So one of the things I wanted to talk about, in our newsletter this week, we, we let you all know, you Rosie Insiders that subscribe to the newsletter, and there's thousands of you, and we thank you for that. We try and make that newsletter a piece of education every single week. We talk about having Fred and Freddie in here and talking about tips and tricks you're just not going to know unless you're doing it every single day. But every homeowner can benefit from knowing it. Correct, correct. I think one of the things, uh, and, and Freddie's very, very good, I, I have taught him uh, to mask and protect. That's the first thing we do on a job, regardless of what we're doing. The first thing we're going to do is mask and protect. And he's taken it to another level of protection. I. I would personally rather overprotect than underprotect because at the end of the day, when I'm all hot and sweaty and I got to clean up at the end of the day, it makes my job a whole lot easier if I overprotect in the very beginning at the start of the job 
And that's just um, the ways that we have instilled in our, our company, and they've worked. All right. So what are a couple of tricks and tips of masking off that homeowners should know? Because if a, if a guy or a gal ends up trying to tackle a particular project and they're not masking and protecting adequately, they're really creating a lot more work for themselves. But more importantly, they're creating a lot more anxiety for everybody else that's living in the house. Correct. So, so Let, a couple of tricks and tips. You move on the job. What do you start assessing? What needs to be protected and what materials are you using? You know, a lot of times when we're working on a job, and let's say we're going to, uh, we're going to be doing some removal of a wall in a house. The first thing we want to do is are we going to be moving furniture? And if we are, we're going to take pictures so we know exactly how that furniture needs to go back. So then we're going to look at, okay, we're removing a drywall wall. Well, some of the tricks we want to do is we know we're going to create dust. We're going to mask off. Maybe there's a doorway that needs to be masked off so we can contain that dust. Then we're going to look at the air register. We want to cover up that air register. The, the, the ductwork is so often overlooked. Yes. And all that junk that you're creating in that room is going right into your air system. Correct. And, and then you might look for the air return also because that's going to suck it back into the system, which is going to put it throughout the whole house. So we want to make sure we're protecting that. We want to protect that floor. There could be – we were just recently on a project where they had Sateo tile. That is one thing you have to be super careful of is protecting the Sateo tile. Do not – I don't care if it's frog tape, blue tape – do not use that tape on that Sateo tile. If you are going to do that, you're going to put it on the grout line and the grout line only because it will pull the finish off of the frog tape or the blue tape will pull that finish off that Sateo. And now you've got to get in a tile guy to match it and he can't match it. And then you're into a dilemma with the homeowner. And, oh. So what are we putting down on flooring? To protect it. We like to use a product called rosin paper, and uh, it comes in a pink or brown roll. You can buy it at your big box stores, Home Depot, and it's uh, three foot wide by approximately 175 feet. And we like to put that down with blue tape um, or white tape, depending on the surface mm -hmm. um, that we have. Um, we, we like to put that on all of our floors. Um, Sometimes we use drop cloths along with the rosin paper um, if it's outside work. Um, but we also use plastic um, to tape up um, and contain the area that we're working in. When do you decide if you're going to use 2 mil painter's plastic or a little heavier 4 or 6 mil? Glad you asked. If we're going to – let's say we want to add a zipper door, okay? What we're going to do with the zipper door is we're going to use 4 mil plastic because when you're going in and out, you need to have something that has some strength in it. And, and how we do that is we'll go into that door casing and we'll put up blue tape all the way around on that casing. Then we'll put the Gorilla Tape, which is a great duct tape that has super adhesive to that. Then we'll cut that 4 mil plastic to open. Now, that's critical. You're going to put the blue tape on the building surface. Correct. It will generally remove from most surfaces without leaving a residue. Correct. But it'll stick pretty good. It'll stick great. And then you put the monster tape, the Gorilla Tape, on the blue tape. Correct. Don't put that Gorilla Tape Do straight not. onto your drywall, straight onto your door casing, straight onto your window glass or window frame. Exactly. And then, then we will add the plastic, the 4 mil plastic, which is 
a thick plastic. Then we'll add the zipper door on top of that. Now we've got access. We can contain that. We can take our materials in and out of that by zipping it up and down. And that's when the four mil comes in the best. The, now on walls, uh, let's say we're, we're going to um, plastic off that room. We'll start at the ceiling. We'll, we'll tape blue tape to that. And, and we may, if we're going the whole room, we may add Gorilla Tape to that blue tape for the strength. Um, so those, we'll, we'll, we'll take it to the ceiling and then we'll bring it down the walls. Now we've got that room contained from dust. And you'll take, uh, in, in that two or four mil, the blue tape goes right along the top of the wall at the ceiling line. Correct. Then you Correct. bring the then you bring the plastic up to that, and then you gorilla tape that to the blue Correct. tape. It unfolds twelve or sixteen feet wide, so you're all the way down the wall. Yes, sir. All the way into the room. Yes. Now then, then Freddie, is that when you come in and lay the rosin paper on top of that? I actually start with the rosin paper first. First, okay. Very first thing that we do. Okay. Um, mask off the floors. And sometimes you have carpet. Um, there's a product out there that we like to use called Carpet Protector, Carpet Shield. Okay. Uh, Home Depot sells that in two-foot rolls. And uh, what it does is it basically just protects your carpet. It's see-through. It has a sticky adhesive back backing on it. And you unroll it in two-foot rolls, and you can drop debris on the carpet, and it leaves it brand new when you... It's kind of like sticky saran wrap. Absolutely. Correct. Yes. And, you, and you just lay that one layer down... One row at a time, depending okay. on how big area you're working in and need to protect. But, uh, yeah, they give you a two-foot roll, and it comes in um, about a 200-foot roll, and it's two-foot wide. Yeah. There's just so many advantages to properly protecting. One of, the, one of the reasons protection is so important for the homeowners is very often they get involved in a project that ends up being a little bit more complicated than they thought. So the project lasts a little bit longer than they were anticipating. And getting it contained and controlled is going to keep it so much more livable for everybody in the house while that project is progressing. Correct. And what did I teach you about scheduling? That was the first thing I taught you. <laughs> when you're working at your own home, the job is always you know, two weeks ahead of schedule. Two weeks. <laughs> I'm going to remind my wife of that one. I'm going to remind my wife. Where I'm still when, two weeks ahead. When you're working on your own projects, you're the superintendent. Right. You're the one in charge of the schedule. When someone questions you or queries you or challenges you, you just have to remind them, hey, this job's two weeks ahead of schedule. One of the things that, that, that we take great pride in that, that you did teach me that I can still remember to this day is the last thing a customer sees is how clean did you leave their job site. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely it's so a, a, a major, major impact. Uh, you know, we're creating a job site in someone's personal habitat space. And uh, so often that isn't given the respect uh, that it deserves. Correct. Correct. Oh man. So, uh, Freddie, I, th I, we do record these, they are podcasts and I thought I'd tell you a couple stories about your dad. Sure. <laughs> Love to hear them. Here, here publicly on air. Huh? <laughs> Forgive me, Lord. Oh, all right. More with Fred Wilshire. We've got a lot of tips for you homeowners that are trying to tackle things on your own. This is going to be a hugely valuable hour. Stay tuned and don't hesitate to call one 888 767-4348.
Brothers. Oh, Miss Jess, how are you? Hi. <laughs> hey. <laughs> I just heard no. Fred and Freddie, and I was like, they look like they could be the same age. I swear. I couldn't tell. <laughs> Rosie, you paid her. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, boy. Fred and Freddie. Whole new generation of tradesmen coming into the industry. Um, I want to now. Now we've talked about mask and protect, and I will tell you that I had an air conditioning contractor text me during the break. He says, "Rosie, if they put masking over the return air, that's one thing that can come down." Well, <laughs> the, don't leave the return air masked off. <laughs> correct, correct. At the end of the day, we've right. got to you know adjust the thermostat accordingly. Right, but at the same time. It's so important not to get that. Yeah. He's just looking for some work. <laughs> he's, he's just, he just warned me. He says, oh, I, I agree with everything you say, but if you mask the return air, which is a really good idea, right. uh, make sure you take it off when the air conditioning needs Correct. to come back on. Correct. 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 <laughs> All right. So we've masked and we've protect, given some great handyman tips. If you homeowners are trying to tackle a project right now, I can tell you this would be an excellent time to try and get on air and ask your question. One triple eight seven six seven forty three forty eight. So we've masked and we've protected. Now we got a demo. I can remember you in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, the first thing when we want to do in in protect, or we're going to do start with demo, and, and let's say we're going to take down that same wall. We're going to get a brand new utility knife blade, put it in our our utility knife, and now what we're going to do with the new blade is we're going to score. That that corner. So we're cutting through the caulking. If there's caulking in there, we're going to cut through the 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 tape, the drywall tape, and now we're going to uh, start that way. One of the things that uh, when I first came into working for you and in, in the every late, time we said demo, he'd run to the truck and get a 16 pound double sledge. Yes, I would grab my <laughs> double jack because I came out of the concrete business. As I poured a slab for Rosie, came to work for him. And, and I would grab a, a sledgehammer. And we were told Joel Schmidt at the time would tell me, hey, hey, slow down, slow down. I want you to surgically remove these cabinets, okay? I don't want you to destroy all these cabinets in 35 seconds when we could take them out with a screw. We can save those cabinets and put them in the garage. So surgically remove is a huge thing in our company that we want to slow down and we want to take it out surgically. Take it out in Pieces. We don't want to take down this two-by-four in one piece. When we can take it down in pieces, keep the job site safe, and surgically remove it. It keeps the job site so much cleaner. Yes. 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 And it helps you from not damaging adjoining surfaces that are connected if you do cut it with a knife in the very beginning with a razor, or sharp blade. Talk about taking drywall down. Messy job. The only messier thing than that is removing Sotia tile. <laughs> a lot of the times, Rosie, when we're cutting drywall lately, we like to use a Dremel. Okay. It creates less dust, and sometimes we'll even grab our shop vac, and as one guy is cutting the drywall, follow it. we'll follow him very closely with that shop vac to minimize the dust in I the house. I love it. I love it. And then once it's cut, then I can hit it with a sledgehammer? <laughs> 
We we do not do that anymore. <laughs> we, we have gone away from the sledgehammer. What we do is we'll cut it off into maybe two to three foot pieces, take that out in pieces. It's so much easier to, to, to haul it out, to get it out of that room. If we're taking it out in pieces and we're using that sledgehammer, and let's say that I've hit it so hard that that drywall just flew into the window and it cracked that window, that's how I got to learn surgically remove. I've cracked a window. And and we can stop that. And you can still go just about as fast if you'll just cut some lines three. Let's say we're taking down that wall and we're cutting it in three-foot sections. And you can remove it so fast if you've got a great teamwork. And it, it does make it a lot easier. Cleanliness it, it is so important. The other, the other tip I learned from you is don't let it fall to the floor. No, no, that, no, no. That, that creates 10 times the dust. Once you got it cut. Yes, and there are times, too, when we're protecting, the, if we're taking down a block wall, that we're going to put down some soundboard or a piece of plywood. And then let's say that uh, we're taking down that piece and it falls and it, now it has chipped the sotillo tile. Oh, boy, now we've got to go try to find a piece of Satillo tile. Does it match this one? Does it match that? No. And you've looked for days trying to find that Satillo tile. If we would have just slowed slowed down and uh, uh, taken it down without it falling, now we wouldn't have to replace that piece of tile. Well, while I've got you here on air, I will publicly apologize to you for one day you worked for me. Okay, I'll, I'll, we we had that house to do up on high on Camelback Mountain. It was above the sanctuary. It was the second highest house there. Remember you remember? Yes, I do. It was uh, still have calluses. <laughs> and we had to waterproof the uphill side of this home, and we needed to dig out a hole for a jacuzzi tub. So I left you to dig out the footings, and I left Romy and William to jackhammer the the, the sauna hole. Oh, boy, was that that a project? You know, when when we're digging this footing, you know, the the house down to six feet, um, we have to excavate in buckets. And Camelback Mountain isn't the easiest place to excavate by hand. No, sir. <laughs> well, I just wanted to confess to this day, I still remember that day, and I still feel a little tiny bit guilty. Apology But accepted. just a little bit. Apology accepted. <laughs> Join the conversation, one 767 4348 That's 1-888-ROSIE for you. You can also text questions to 411-923. And you guys actually, uh, we're going to get into the meat of y'all's tips with concrete and painting coming up after the break. In our On the House Hour here, we've got the Wilsh Corporation in, Fred and Fred Jr., uh, been talking about uh, demolition, masking and protecting. Let's get into concrete because you guys have brought in a uh, a technique that I had never heard of before. I st- have still yet to try it, uh, but it, it, you guys swear by it, and you've been doing concrete a long time. Yes, we have. Um, I once heard a gentleman tell me that uh, he was a concrete finisher. I have a lot of respect for him that the next time you go out there and you have to mix up five, six bags of concrete, don't do it in a wheelbarrow. So what I did was the old dumb dog thing where I looked at him confused and turned my head and like, wow, what is he saying? Well, we tried it. We had to mix, I think it was, uh, it was as a Christmas time, my father-in-law says, hey, I've got um, Tough Shed coming out and I need to expand this concrete. And I said, well, we can't get concrete. But a guy told me one time to mix it in a tarp. 
So luckily enough that my brother-in-law was there, my son, and we had 56 bags of concrete that we had to mix. And we had to have it done by the next day. So what we did was we, we tried this technique out, and you put it in a tarp, a 10 by 12 tarp. You open up the bag of concrete inside the tarp. The, uh, my son, Freddie, will hold up that bag of concrete or the, the, the tarp on both ends. I will pour the uh, five-gallon bucket of water. You'll, you'll learn how to mix it accordingly with how much water to add, and you'll pour it in there. And then what you'll do is you'll pick it up. One end, he'll pick up one end, and he'll flip that. Then he'll pick up his right hand and flip it, left hand. And he'll do one, two, three. And, and he, what he's doing is he's flipping the concrete over and over. The same thing as it's doing in a concrete mixer truck. It's just tossing it over and over. So he'll go one, two, three. I grab my side, one, two, three. He'll go one, two, three. We can mix a 90-pound bag in about 45 seconds. <laughs> and... When I first heard this, I'm like, okay, well, you're just doing these for concrete posts if you're building a deck or you know, you, something structural-wise. But you can actually set flat concrete this way. Yes, you can. What, let's say you want to have a recyclable bin pad out there. You've been putting it in the rocks for years, and we've set up some forms. It's four by six. Now we're going to go over there. We're going to grab the wife. She's, uh, she's been a little upset with you. Well, you grab that end of the tarp. I'll grab this end, and we'll mix it one, two, three. Now, mind you, we're going to go with a 60-pound bag for her. Okay, so we're mixing a 60-pound bag with her, and we're going to go one, two, three. And the great thing about this is you can drag that concrete. You can pick it up, and you can walk it over there and then pick up both ends, and it allows it to flow right in there. Now, when we do that with a wheelbarrow, which will take us, you know, five minutes to mix that 90-pound bag, now we're going to do that. Now we're going to splatter, make a lot of splattering. Uh, I once showed a, a plumber when they saw cut, and they're putting in new drain. You know, they're, they're going to put in a new drain waistline. Uh, and for some saw cut, and we've treated it for termites, and I said, I want to show you this trick. I showed him, and the same thing, the light turned on. I won't mix concrete in a wheelbarrow again unless it's one or two bags. We will mix it that way in a wheelbarrow. But for you homeowners out there, if if you give it a chance and you fill your oats and you eat your Wheaties, you can do it. And you guys did that entire 56 bag with one tarp. With one tarp, Correct. <laughs> When Correct. I heard when you said fifty six, I'm like, how many tarps did that take? But just one, the one, just the one. Correct, correct. Remember this: when when you're getting concrete out of a bag, it's not the broken up rocks that you would get down at the at the batch plant. They're using small pea gravel rocks, so it's not as hard on your tarp as as what you would be in a concrete batch plant. So, mix your concrete and a tarp. Yes, if you have that, I know it. It sounds a little odd, but it really does work. It's so much easier. It's it's cleaner and faster. And faster. Now, the last guy I did concrete with, we were doing decorative concrete porch, and colored it, stamped it to look like wood and everything. Correct. At the end of it, we used the tarp to cover the concrete instead of you know the old days where you just go out there and you'd hose it down, and every so often you have to go hose it, go hose it. You said, Romy, don't. Hose the concrete. Put the tarps on it. It'll slow the hydration process. It'll keep it moisture more consistent than you could ever do with a hose. We'll come back in a few days, take the tarps off, and you can save all that time and not have to waste time going out and spraying it down. Have you guys experienced or played with that at all? We haven't, Rosie. Uh, Romy, I'm sorry. Um, my days of concrete 
are almost over. <laughs> you know, Rosie has asked me, will you, will you pour five, six yards? And I'm like, no, I will not. I, I will do one yard or less. My, my poor knees uh, from, from doing a lot of hiking in my days have, are abused. And, and when I need to kneel down and I'm finishing concrete, it's going to hurt me for four or five days. And I'm just not able to do that anymore. But uh, no, to answer your question. Well, that, that concrete mixing is a great tip. And, uh, and you just wouldn't learn that unless you were listening to Freddie Wilshire right here at Rosie on the House. <laughs> All right, so let's, let's move inside now. Let's get inside. And we've talked about demo. Okay, we've talked about demoing that drywall. Now, how about when we start hanging it back or patching it in? Any, any tips you've got about drywall repair? Well, what we like to do is if you're going to bring in, and, and let's say we have to put up a sheet of drywall or, or two or three or whatever that may be, let's bring it in to where there's an open wall. So when we're doing open wall, now we've got space to where we can, we can run our T-square or run our hand along the side of the tape and, and cut it. We've got to have space to make it a safe job site, and we're able to work there. Um, some of the things, too, as we're installing the drywall and you're, you're running your screws in through, we, we like to screw. We don't like to nail. We like to run the screw in there, inch and five-eight screw, and do not break the paper because once you've, break, once you've broke the paper, the gypsum that's on the back side of that is it's, it's a wasted screw. It no longer will hold. So with the paper, it will let it recess about a sixteenth of an inch. So when we're running our knife along that screw, we're not hitting that, and it's filling it in with drywall mud. With drywall mud. Thank you. All right. You have a. Do you like the paper tape joint tape, or do you like the fiberglass self stick? We love the fiberglass mesh tape. The paper tape, it's fine, but you know, it's like what they used back in the days for cast. It just seems like it holds up better. It's stronger. Um, it, it, they do make it now. It's not as thick as it used to be. It's a thinner roll that you can buy, kind of like the paper. You can use the paper in corners. Um, you can fold it, make yeah. it nice and neat. Put your mud behind one side of the tape, and then you'll pull. You're basically you're going to put the mud behind the the, the tape if we're going into cool uh, uh, in the ceiling if we're doing that, and we're going to peel. We're going to put a lot of pressure on that and, and peel that t- mud out. We're going to basically put the mud on, and stick squeeze. our squeeze the mud correctly. We're going to squeeze that mud out and put it in our. Pan. Now on an inside corner, I do prefer the paper tape. Yes, sir. Okay. Now when I do that, I'm much better at it if I have an inside corner trowel, as opposed to a six-inch trowel that I run down each side. Okay. Do you have a? Do you no, do, we still it, stick to the, the six-inch. The six-inch. You do. You do it, it all the six-inch. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really like that inside corner track. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it helps me a lot. Sure. Yes. Sir. Okay. Sure. So now, when it comes to matching textures, you know, in Arizona, we could have a uh, we could have a splatter finish, we could have a skip trowel finish, we could have a knockdown finish. How how are we going to instruct that homeowner to try and educate themselves to match that? How are we going to do that? Well, the, the, there are several ways. Let's say we're looking at a, an orange peel texture. And it looks like it is uh, a little finer orange peel. Well, that's because what happened is there's a lot of PSI, you know, which is pressure, that when they're shooting it, 
that they're shooting it and and it's got a lot of pressure so it won't uh, it'll look a lot finer and when we turn turn it down to about 30 psi now it's going to be a little bit heavier so what you're going to do is you're going to go outside you're going to have yourself a little sheet of drywall and you'll do a practice test outside before you go inside and try that and we're doing our texture what we like to do is go in circles we go around and around and around and that'll allow us to cover everything consistently but that's how you're just going to play with that drywall and, and maybe you take that sheet inside and say i'm getting closer but once you get that consistency you know if it's thicker maybe we need to ease up on the pressure maybe we need to add a little water to the mud you know just you're just going to play with that and figure it out i try and encourage people all the time don't be scared of it it's 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 mud it's joint compound if you're not happy with it Wipe it off. Wipe it off. And, we'll, and, and try over. again. Absolutely. Now, Freddie, do you like to sand joint compound or sponge? Well, sanding is uh, a lot dustier, but it's what I like. Okay. Um, especially when you're blending the edges. It turns out a lot better when you go around the edges of what you had just done, the new drywall, and you're blending it with existing drywall. It's very crucial to blend those edges so they don't pop out at you. Shiners. Absolutely. Correct. And the other thing I tell people all the time is make sure you were talking about protecting the surface of the paper. Correct. And don't let that screw Correct. head pull through. Well, don't sand or sponge to the point you start balling up that surface paper. That's right. That's right. You can you can rub too hard there. You then can you're, rub. Then you're in another problem. <laughs> yes, you are. You 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 can go in there and sometimes when we we we've just sanded it down too far. Um, but but you what you want to do is when when you're in there and you, let's say we're not texturing yet and we're sanding it down is checking with your knife. You know you've got a 16 inch knife and you're going to put that thing up against the wall flat to see how flat we are and check it all different kinds of ways. But now if we've come in there and we've sanded, now we've got to come back in there and float some more mud. But always check for the flatness to make sure we've got a flat wall. And and by doing that with that knife, you can you can tell. You get about. Two layers of that tape and seven layers of that mud on that joint. I mean, that is really going to shout at you when you're trying to finish the correct, job. Correct. And, and let me just express that it is very difficult to match somebody's texture. It's an art. It, it is. is an art. It yes, is. It, it's so difficult. You know, was it? Did he do it when there was no air conditioning going on? And now you're doing it in air conditioning. But when the house was built, they didn't have it. When he did it, it was in the middle of winter. And now you're doing it, and it's 110. And you know, all these things uh, make a difference. That takes a lot of that takes a lot of practicing. Correct, for sure. All right, then I know you'll have some great tips on painting. And, wow, we will get to that. We can do a lot here at Rosie on the House, but we can't stop the clock. When we get back, we've got our drywall patched. Let's get it painted up. Getting her done. Let's get right into painting. And when we were talking, y'all start right at the the tool selection, the roller and the brush. What do you do? When you get home and you're ready to start a paint project and you got to pull your roller out of the plastic sleeve and then get your brush out of the cardboard sleeve. Well, we like to, um, we like to use a three-inch brush. Um, typically, it has an angle cut on it. It helps you uh, cut in first, and that's what we do first with uh, painting. If it's new drywall, we'll have to put a PVA primer um, over that drywall and cover it um, from top to bottom. 
Um, and then after that, we'll cut in with a, the angled brush and bring it down maybe six inches from the ceiling. I like to bring it down that far so that I can roll with the roller up to that line uh, row by row after I cut in from corner to corner with the brush. I think one of the things, though, before we get started is when we have this brand-new roller pad. We got it from Home Depot. It's a half-inch nap, five-eight or three-quarters. We, what, what you need to understand is it has fuzzies on it. And fuzzies is when they're making this, this pad from the, uh, the material at the plant, what we like to do is when we get that pad is we have to put in some masking tape on our shoe. We'll take it vertically up, and now we've got our roller pad on our roller, and we'll roll that on that masking tape, re- removing all those fuzzies because if we don't, those fuzzies will be on your wall. And another thing is, like Freddie was saying, that the, the paintbrush, when we get it and it's a brand-new paintbrush, it comes in a sleeve. Do not throw that sleeve away. That sleeve was made for a purpose. So once we get through and cleaning that paintbrush, what we want to do is we've, we've cleaned that paintbrush. There's a trick to cleaning paintbrushes that we need to show. But, that, uh, well, that needs a whole show. Yes, it does. <laughs> it does. Uh, but uh, So we've got our paintbrush cleaned. It's still a little damp. We're going to put it back in that sleeve. So now it's going to keep that shape because you'll see uh, many homeowners out there um, – their their paintbrush they've had it for years and now it's all fuzzy and it's doing all these things because they did not put it back in its sleeve they've thrown the sleeve away so we've got our roller out we've got the fuzzies off that's pretty critical because you if you didn't do it yourself you may not know those notice the fuzzies if somebody else did it if it's in the corner or it's a dark right. spot, you do it yourself. Every time you walk in that room, that first place your eye is going to go is those fuzzies stuck Correct. on that one area of the wall where you started. Now, I've got a question. Clarify something for me. You take tape and you put it on your shoe. Yes. I, I don't follow that. The front of your shoe. Yes. The tip front of your shoe on the underneath part of your shoe, you connect it to the to okay. the front of your okay, shoe it, so that it. the tape sticks to your shoe. Okay, all right. You stretch it out maybe three or four feet. Got it, got it. Then okay. you roll the sticky part on the I roller got, pad. Now I got it. Okay. And oh, Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. That That's just me. I yeah, it, it worked. We watched a painter that we have great respect for teach us, and that's where we've learned most of our tricks, and it's a wealth of knowledge. It's, it's great stuff. And Freddie's already got your corners cut in. You're going to take that roller – uh, you're going to get a pan with a liner to pour no, your paint no, in? No, 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 no. <laughs> what we're going to do is we're going to get a five-gallon bucket. We're going to say that we have a two – we need two gallons. We're going to use a gallon and a half. We're going to pour all that paint into a five-gallon bucket. And what they do is they sell a grid, a grid or a grate. We call it Washboard a grate. Washboard-looking thing. Yes. You'll hook that. It has two hooks on it. We stick that inside the the five-gallon paint bucket. Now we're going to stick our roller. We're going to – we're going to push that down into our paint. Now we're going to, with downward motion, we're going to push that down, not up and down, but down in our five-gallon bucket to evenly place that on our pad. Now we're going to push it on the wall. Why we don't want to use that that uh, pan is we have to fill it up over and over and over, and now we've got to bend over. And with a five-gallon bucket, we do not have to bend over. We're just pushing it straight down. And now we're going up and down on the wall. We're not having to bend over on the ground uh, in a pan. We, we, we strongly recommend that, that, that 
you go with a five-gallon bucket. It'll make your life so much easier. Now, the first time you dip that roller, how much product do you want on the roller before you hit the wall? You know, you, you, you need the first time it gets dipped, you need some, but you also don't want to be dripping everywhere either. Correct, and that's what the grid is for. Once, let's say that you know it's going to take three or four dunks to get an evenly coat on that roller pad. But let's say we've dunked it in there um, halfway on the pad. Well, you'll roll that on that roller. You might do five, six, eight, ten times just on that pad. You'll get the feel of it. It, it takes just a, uh, just a touch to, to get the feel of going back and forth up. You're just pushing it down, 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 three, four times for Freddie and I, and then we'll go up and start rolling. What it'll do is it'll evenly place it on your uh, roller pad. We've we've talked about not scrimping. I'll, I, no matter how, what paint experience you have, your paint job is going to turn out better if you will buy a good roller cover. Oh, absolutely! It makes all the difference in the world. Right, right, right. Um, and it, it and it reduces splatter back on your face while you're painting the wall and the floor. You, you're you're, you're going to get the you're going to get some of that though. Especially if you're painting a ceiling. Yeah, yeah, yeah ceilings, ceilings are ceilings are a whole new a whole new thing. Real quick, we're running tight. Um, for homeowners that are familiar with our referral network, Rosie on the House, the Wilsh Corporation lives in the handyman division. Uh, why don't you guys talk about what area you service and what kind of work you like to do? We already know, uh, Fred, we already, Freddie, we already know Fred doesn't like to bend over. So, <laughs> <laughs> what do you like to do? Where do you like to do it? We, you know, we, we like to do a little bit of everything, and what I mean by that is we like to do the demolition. We like to do drywall. We like to do framing, trim carpentry, um, to name a few. Um, the areas that we serve, we like to go pretty much valley-wide, but once we start going down into Santan Valley, that's kind of our limits that we – Sun Lakes, that's a little bit far. Yeah. You got to stay competitive, and to stay competitive, you got to stay off the road and on the job. Right, we're not the best value when it comes to that. And, and when gas is over, you know, four dollars, the the driving range might start shrinking a little bit. Yes, sir. <laughs> All right, the Wilsh Corporation six zero two five zero nine zero eight three six or the handyman category at Rosie on the House dot com. Fred and Freddie Wilshire. <laughs> 